You're listening to a track from a very well-respected and accomplished producer from Finland named Mika Vinio. Um, unfortunately, uh, he died, or at least it was confirmed that he died today. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty big loss for people spanning a number of genres, um, including industrial noise, ambience, and of course, techno music. Uh, He was really influential in a lot of those scenes, and I don't think a lot of people actually realize that. Uh, For those of you who aren't really aware of who he is, he was half of the experimental duo Pansonic, and they also went on to start this record label called Sako back, I believe it was the mid-90s, if not even earlier. And uh, I guess more on the commercial route of things, he has been known to work with people like Bjork and Chicks on Speed. Anyway, I can't really justify uh, the impact that he's had on music, but uh, what I can do is tell you a funny story about uh, the track you're listening to right now. Uh, basically it came out about four or five years ago to my knowledge and a couple years ago I was celebrating 4th of July up in Lake Superior on a houseboat and like a lot of Americans I decided to get pretty wrecked um, well into the morning and during the course of that night uh I came up with a really great idea. Around 2 or 3 in the morning, under crystal clear skies, it was perfectly silent out on the water. It was like glass. Um, Because of the stars and the moon, you could just see, you know, right across the water, and there's sailboats kind of anchored out, just hanging out, drifting while people sleep. And I decided that I was going to take my iPhone and jack it into the loudspeaker of this houseboat and play this track. So I cranked that fucker up to 11 and blared it across the Apostle Islands and uh, to anybody that was within an earshot of about four or five miles. And I thought it was awesome. All you could imagine is this super peaceful night and these crazy, weird alien whale like sounds coming out just out of nowhere I mean it's I'm guaranteeing you these people had no fucking clue they never heard anything like it in their lives um didn't last so long though my stepbrother came chasing after me running what in the hell are you doing man it's three in the morning you're gonna get the coast guard after us we can't be playing this weird shit out towards everybody in the water and while I realistically agree I can't really think of a better time or place for that track, and I think Mika would tend to agree. Rest in peace, dude. I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. This is not my day. Um, This is the 12th take I've been on for trying to record this damn intro. Uh, So I'm going to try and make it as quick as possible and not screw it up. Uh, What can I say? Sorry for the break again. I've been busting my ass in the studio. It's primary objective numero uno. And the good news is I've been getting it done. 
uh, I have a lot of, well, I don't know if it's good music, but it's accomplished. And uh, let's see what happens. That'll probably come out after the summer. Uh, the other good news is I have a lot of fun guests coming up for the show. Uh, and I'm still compiling an episode of Short Nerd Talks specifically for the studio producers who tune in. I know a bunch of people were asking about this, and some people ask all the time. So it's definitely happening soon enough. And it's also worth mentioning that the latest record on my label, Enemy Records, is out. It's from Ambivalent. And uh, it's got remixes for myself and Amatic, if I pronounce his name correctly. Um, really happy with that record. Uh, kicks ass. And I think you should buy it if, if you buy vinyl. If not, stream it on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, after another short break, I'm back with two kick-ass guests this week, and both of them hail from Sweden. My first guest is techno DJ and producer Per Grinvik, and joining him is someone who exists slightly more on the fringes of experimental music, but releases dance material from time to time. His name is Peter Manerfeld. Per Grinvik has quite a bit of a history behind him. He used to run a record shop in Stockholm called Stockholm Limited which also became the name of his record label, which is still running to this day. And what else can I say? He spent the better part of the early 2000s as a mainstay artist for Drum Code. Uh, between his solo productions and numerous collaborations with Hard Cell, his tracks were played by just about everybody in the early 2000s. And over the years, he slowly departed from Drum Code and made the journey back to his roots. He's currently hammering out a fresh take on the classic 90s-inspired techno sound that he was into during his teenage years. And last year, that kind of, you know, accumulated into this album called Isle of the Real, I believe. I keep messing up the title, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And uh, he's still releasing singles quite often, so check those out if you're definitely into the tracky, banging side of techno. Uh, next guest, Peter Manifeld, is a total trip. I don't really know how to describe him. He's been part of a small handful of projects over the years, but you might recognize him mostly from acts like being part of Fever Ray and also one half of Roll the Dice. And these days, he's touring quite regularly as a solo live act on top of releasing some albums. Uh, he'll get into that specifically in the show, so I won't go into it right now. Um, I saw him at Berlin Atonal a couple years back when he was kind of debuting his uh, audio-visual show, and it was incredible. The music perfectly meshed with this sort of tripped-out, bright-colored, 90s-inspired visuals that has this sort of surreal experience. Um, yeah, I was totally into it. It's a great show. I think he's still touring with it, so if you get a chance, check it out. There might even be footage on YouTube, but honestly, I have no clue. Anyway, it's really dope, and I've seen it a few times since then. He also covered a conga records from the early 1920s. He'll go into that in the show and plays that live out from time to time. So stay tuned if you're in a metro area that has a little bit more forward-thinking concerts going on. Uh, on top of performing his own unique style of experimental meets post-rave influences, 
He also has been working closely with Pear on more techno-leaning material. They'll explain their relationship a bit more in depth during the episode, so I'll spare you my bad summarization. Uh, but it's clear that they've been friends together for quite a while now, and it shows, you know, we, we had a good time during the talk. Uh, it's a little bit more, I don't, I don't want to say serious, but, you know, definitely lots more about info and theorizing on things, collaboration and whatnot. So it's a cool episode. Enjoy. For it. All right, so welcome to the show. Uh Today we have a couple guests. I'm going to go ahead and have you guys introduce yourselves. We'll start with you. Uh, hello, my name is Peter Manafelt. Mm-hmm. All right. And I'm Pagnin Vick. All right. Uh, first of all, thanks for coming over today. Thanks uh, You didn't have to come far because you're pair. You didn't have to because you're from the other side of Berlin. But you came from Stockholm literally just from the airport now, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, so it's been a long day already. and Not too bad. Not too bad. And you're in town tonight because you're doing... Uh, Trezor, right? Yeah. Live set. And you're not traveling tonight, are you? Or No. Tonight I'm home. Okay. Tomorrow, where are you? Uh, Belgium somewhere. Okay. <laughs> All good. This won't be online tomorrow anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, I, I spoke to you guys about coming on, and you kind of have a relationship for a while now. I guess that's a good place to start is kind of how that came into place and you know, where you're at right now with all that? I picked them up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was actually talking about this the other day with another guy. Uh, I remember seeing Peter and his friend Henrik around the city. They were playing bars and parties. and Party boys. Party boys. And they were always jumping in the DD booth a lot. And I felt like these guys have something that I really get attracted to. So... Um, I don't really exactly how it came together, but I saw Peter at the fashion show and I walked up to him and I said like, Hey, I at some point want to work to you, with you. And, um, probably this, this was when I was still in Stockholm. Yeah. Yeah. Must and then have been it, more than 10 years ago. Yeah. And then it took a while when I relocated down here, we started to take up the, the things again and then. I don't know which year it was, but I started to release stuff from you. Yeah. Set up a new label. Yeah, that was that's in like the last five years. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you the mean f- the, fir- the first the first time? Yeah, we we we're on the second run together. Yeah, I don't remember which year it was actually, but yeah, two thousand seven. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we came. Me and Henrik, we came from like playing in bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really wanted to get into the techno world, so Pi was our techno tick, ticket. Yeah, the and ticket. They, I wanted to have like the indie parts that they had. So right on. <laughs> so it was symbiotic. But I mean, so when you said that you were seeing them playing around town and stuff and party jams and whatnot, what kind of music were you playing? I mean, was this party like jams, electronic like, music at that yeah, point? Yeah, the, the thing in Stockholm at that time, like two thousand five, you could never. The word techno couldn't be uttered. No, you had to say you played electro, mm-hmm. which meant techno. But but it was a lot, a lot like DFA and things was going yeah. getting real big at the time. So I yeah, think they had banger playing, thing. Yeah, that yeah. too. And also like um, a lot of like the New York post electro clash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time markers. 
Yeah, so yeah, even though you, you played techno, you can say you played techno because it was kind of from like his generation or like the, from the 90s became kind of so stigmatized in Stockholm. Yeah, like, between actually between like 2000, uh, sorry, 90, already 96, 97, from 96 to 90, uh, until quite recently, I don't think people actually use the word techno that no. much. People have been saying, like, yeah. it would work with electronic music. Yeah, or yeah. electro. It was all called electro. But what, what was the the reasoning? Because, I mean, I real like, this came up in a couple episodes before where there was kind of like the Swedish rave police sort of thing, but did it just kind of have a bad image put on it? It became such then? a massive media thing. So okay. basically it was this uh, big warehouse. I mean, it was... Pretty much the same that they had in in the UK. Like, yeah. the, the police started to to hunt things down. It, it was specific one club that opened in '95, I think, called Docklands. That was like the 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 start of the end, more or less. And after that, it went went quite quick. Like yeah. all the people that used to go to the party kind of disappeared, and a totally new crowd uh, stepped in. And took care of the demolition. <laughs> and the, the police actually set up a task force. Yeah. But originally, just to crack down on that club, it was called the Rave Commission. Oh, so that club was kind of the catalyst for it all. Yeah. And it, and when it was a massive media thing, and it, you know, the news, and there were like 100 police storming that club, and, you know. Crazy. So yeah. that kind of really stigmatized the word and techno. When, when was that? When did that kind of kick off again? Was that 2000, maybe? Or even earlier? When this happened, yeah, it's ninety ninety six ninety seven. Ninety six, okay, yeah. even earlier. Wow, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I was just looking at uh, some of the the questions and stuff that people sent in, and one guy named Chris Harris it wasn't more. It was more of a thing he just said as a Londoner, Londoner that recently moved to Stockholm. He was really surprised at how little um, underground was happening in, in Stockholm. I mean, I think now it's maybe more than ever recently. And it's I booming so, yeah. right now. Yeah, imagine, I mean, imagine 12, 13 years ago. But was... comparatively, considering when you think of all the electronic music talent that's coming out of Sweden, it still seems like... But that's the same thing with... Everybody imagines Detroit is like this exactly insane same, techno yeah. palace and there's fucking nothing going on there, mm, yeah. you know? I think that's quite quite a sim- similar, yeah. Sweden is like having so many producers, so many people that working with music but it's not only techno you don't have any rock scene or any like live scene at all either like actually actually around the same time as like this happened with techno there was uh, like also bad economy in sweden and a lot of the venues a lot of the the live venues disappeared company bought them and uh, there was no actually no place to play live or having a party so like for Probably ten years. Everybody tried to like do stuff in restaurants and bars, yeah. and yeah, you have like two hours of party. People arrive late and and mm-hmm. get drunk, and then it's over. Same with the states, yeah. at yeah. least in the the public venues, you know. But I mean, so you guys kind of—I don't want to say met back up, but reconvened. Like, would you say almost ten years later? Was it or not ten years later? But. Uh, fought, but what four or five years ago you started kind of working together again? Is that what you said? Yeah, I don't remember. Just, well, well, we started out, you know, because Pat moved here quite soon after we 
got to know each other. Yeah. And you started up some label and me and Henrik worked with that. And yeah, that was like 10 years ago. That was more than 10 years ago, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, when we, yeah, from, from here. Yeah. Yeah. From yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. So we did that for a while. Then me and Henrik split up. Start, stop, he moved to the States. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so and we kind of, we didn't have a falling out or something. We just kind of. Yeah, we were not working on music no. together. We no. would still have, I don't know why, but I mean, I was not doing so much for some years as well. Yeah. Like I was sh- touring a lot and I was more or less burned out. Yeah, well, you're, and you uh, also became a family man. That takes a lot of time too, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you you kind of have to, uh, things come and go in phases, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's, we've, I'm sure, you know, you as well, Peter, we've all been on labels that, you kind of at the time it seems like the right fit and then after a while you drift apart and there's not necessarily any bad feelings it's just uh people are doing different things at the yeah. time and sometimes you reconvene and sometimes you don't yeah. yeah but um you know since then you guys work together closely a lot on ideas or pushing things back and forth behind the scenes i think you did one if not two records together or would that be wrong we we should know this right <laughs> <laughs> I think that we've been working a lot together on on different kind of projects and even like uh helping each other out on our own stuff so I th- mm-hmm. I kind of lost tracking. We are looking yeah. forward, not so much backward I would yeah. say. Like we're talking about new stuff coming up and not so much about what happened yesterday. So I mean, I guess is is it safe to say that there'll at least be something new from the both of you in the future yeah, at yeah. some point? For sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sooner rather than later or not not right away. It's a matter of time. (laughs) (laughs) Might have already happened when this airs. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, though. Um, And then in the meantime, like, you guys have both been really busy solo, so we'll kind of break that down for people at the moment. Uh, We'll start with Pear. For example, in the last, let's just say in the last couple of years, you've kind of went back to your roots a bit. Um, You're doing a lot with Stockholm Limited, pushing a lot of your own tracks, but also new artists. You had an album last year, yeah, uh, called um, "The Real." Is that it? <laughs> Isle of Real. Isle of Real. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, and you still got a bunch coming out this year yet too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's safe to say that like right now your your footing is strongly in this kind of like deep dark tooly kind of techno vibe, right? Yeah, it's up to the listener, I guess. <laughs> if you say so, yes. Well, but I mean, like the the tracks that you're focusing on putting on, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm in a good place when it comes to to writing and and producing. I think I I don't think so much about it. I write sketching a lot and then trying to not spend too much time on it. Like with album, uh, I had to find a way where I could finish an album without actually taking so much time off uh, traveling. Yeah. So I thought a good way would be actually sketching while I'm traveling and then take it into a studio and record and try to do it like in sessions. Mm-hmm. And that what I did, I booked a week with, with Peter in Stockholm. And I never done that before. And I kind of I kind of had this idea of uh, how if you're a band, you write your music and you record a demo and then you find a producer that you would like to work with maybe, and then you go to a studio that has such a mm-hmm. sound. So uh, when I was planning the album, that was my idea, to go there, record it, 
and then take the recording with me back to Berlin to my studio and arrange and mix and all that. And uh, while I did that with the album, it kind of came easy to me that it keep the original ideas better. Like before that, I was always like more going into studio without any ideas and, and writing. And you could I could work on one track for ages. Mm-hmm. And um, this new way I could can kind of stay true to the original melodies and bass line and, and things. And, um, yeah, speed up the process a little bit. But um, what, what's, I mean, what is the process for some people that get hung up on the details? Do you just say, this is it, I'm, I'm going to leave it alone? Or what's... Uh... I think that <clears throat> not touching so much of the originals. Like, I, what I do is that I sketch a melody, for example, if I'm, like, I don't know if it was two weekends ago or last weekend, but I was in Nice and I had a few hours in the hotel and I was sketching like, I don't know, t- 10 different sketches, like mm-hmm. melodies and, and, and bass lines. And then when I got home, I had this idea that I need to finish up the release. So what I do is that I kind of just listen to through all the material that I have. And if I find a, a match, I take those and I go into the studio, I sit down and I make notes and I'm like, okay, this sound I would like to record with that synth and uh, I would like to use this delay. And then I record it without actually touching so much. Um, sometimes you can get stuck. Like right now I have one one track that is trouble. We all like, have. <laughs> <laughs> but try to not like spend too much time on them. Like I, I actually talked to Peter about this track uh, two days now. And in the end I'm like, okay, I... I'm I'm gonna leave it behind if I don't fix it today, mm-hmm. and try to go move on to the next one. But because otherwise I'm gonna sit with this track for half a year, never gonna feel it, never gonna have it a good vibe with it. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit how it is now. No, that's that's a I think a perfect way to kind of sum it up. And I agree with you in the sense that like you kind of have to move quickly on it, otherwise. You're psych- psychologically, you'll just kind of get tired of it. Like you're like, oh, this this track sucks, or you know what I mean. I overdo them, like overproduce. I always add too much, or I, it's gonna I'm ending up a song that I'm not gonna be able to listen yeah, to, more same. or less. And <laughs> I think I've done that in my life already. So I, what I'm trying to do is, and I keep the curiosity up to try to feel my tracks as as little possible when I'm doing them, and then discover them later on playing them or just listen to the whole thing actually the what i really like is when i'm getting closer to finish up a record and i'm like okay these really work well together mm-hmm. bridging them like the the EP, the flow of the record is, is so important to me i mean Definitely. it's more or less listening music for myself than yeah. i do uh even if it's ending up being techno that's what, what i'm what i'm working on it's something that i want to listen to myself <laughs> I think that's the most important part of it. Yeah. I mean, hmm. of course, uh, I hope people play the music if I put it out. But if if I'm if I could care less about it, then I'm definitely not going to put it out. You know. So, I mean, I also think that like, I don't know. I, I there was some years that I was kind of um, a little bit drained on on uh, inspiration, and um, I tried to like fit in more. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, writing music for others is not a good thing for me. Like I, I get far away from what, who I am, and I think what's always been working, like career-wise, has been when I'm trying 
to find inspiration myself and look at from my own perspective and what I am I'm liking myself. Just stick into yeah. the instincts, basically. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a weird thing, though, that, I, that I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Because like, techno, if it's a track you want people to play, it has to function, you know. It has, it, you know, it's functional music, but what you're talking about, you still, the records you do, you have to feel them as a whole, like, an, like a record you can listen to. Yeah. And I, that's a really, for me, it's, I get stuck there a lot, you know. Mm. But do you guys think, I mean, I, I agree with that mindset completely, but do you think, obviously, because we come from a different generation where there was record shops and CDs and stuff, but people aren't listening to music that way anymore. They're like, they'll just take one track. They don't even know if it was on a record or release. They just see the Spotify yeah. stream. And I mean, to say that it's that that isn't the future is kind of ridiculous because it seems like it's going that way, but I refuse to... I think I mean, it's I think it's important to still do it, at least for myself do it this way it's kind of a, it's also like a, it's a quality thing you know like if I if I just make a track today and not spend fi- a time feeling it and I could release mm-hmm. it today as well then uh, it, it loses kind of the 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 the, the whole magic for me you know but that's I love that <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's also another layer to it, that it's supposed to function as a dance floor tool, or like, you know, functional techno music is supposed to function in the context of the EP, and it's also supposed to work as a single track in a Spotify stream. Uh, uh, but you, I, you have to take Yeah, the, yeah of course, of course. But I, 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 see, I, I don't disagree but i think that uh the the qualities in the feeling part it's yeah, yeah exactly but you know uh, when you you have to nail all those three in a way mm. i don't know <laughs> i don't know which which part are we actually spending most time with i have no idea the track track list or the flow between the tracks no, i don't know i think it changes every time though doesn't it i mean um. I guess my my problem right now, and it's like you've heard some of my recent music, mm. and where I'm starting to get kind of struggle with is to find the, the right track listing. And that's but I spend time with them. I'm gonna get back with this yeah. perfect track we'll listing. See. Actually, I I I I think it's about killing your darlings and and here maybe take like have someone helping you seeing them from a from a different view. It's always help. I agree. I mean, I, I tell people that all the time, especially like on this show, because a lot of people get um, their friends are always going to tell them, yeah, the, this track is great. But then your really good friends are going to tell you when the track is shitty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. But the, the even more important thing is that you actually believe in yourself so much that you can sit down and do this choice yourself yeah. and feel it and not care too much about if your friends mm. like it or not. I mean, sometimes it's easy to do that. There's a couple tracks that I think go together really well, mm. but then the ones that you're not so sure of, you're like, well, I'm not sure about it. Maybe I should just write another one and maybe that'll be the one to go with it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. sometimes you just have to like like kill your darlings, like put the good stuff aside and, and focus on what works together. And then mm-hmm. you would probably find a way to to put out the other one as well. Like yeah. you, you, it will find its spot yeah. for sure, even if it takes time. Yeah, that, that's, that's the biggest thing, kind of just find the right track for the right time and, and not, for, yeah. not be too 
too eager on yeah. push, pushing it out. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, for the, some of those, some of that music I sent you is years old. And I, I think a lot of the, I mean, granted, I've got a bunch of records out, so it's different for me. But a lot of times, with these younger guys, they really want the music out yesterday already. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah I totally understand that. Yeah. But like, for example, with your tracks there, I, I do recognize that you sent some of those to me, to me before. But at that time, it might be that we, they were like quite apart, like mm-hmm. style-wise. And when you send the, like the new batches that we will listen to here, mm-hmm. it came together. It's like you've been you've been practicing with your band, and you find like a like a perfect new dustin sound. And those yeah. older tracks might be the be the missing link, you know, yeah, like yeah. But, but glow it all together. So definitely, so, yeah. I, I like to see records too like whether it's friends or whatever and you know also my friends that are in bands they'll play you one or two songs and they're good but you don't see it much and then when you finally get whatever it is the cd the record the mp3s and it has the artwork and everything and it becomes this all-encompassing package yeah it it seems a lot different then yeah. you know what i mean mm. um and you you can kind of treat it differently in a way. yeah that's, yeah, that's the thing when you kind of when you're presented with a finished work as opposed to like oh here's a bunch of tracks what do you think totally mm. yeah you know it it seems more final you yeah. Know? yeah yeah definitely but um so let's move on to you and talk about uh what you've been up to lately and inevitably with the, the workflow part of it um i get, i would say would you agree that in the past two or three years it's been some of your busiest as far as solo output yeah. goes yeah yeah definitely because you, you've also been part of Roll the Dice, which you announced a new album for two days ago, was yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. And then um, you did production for Fever Ray, which the, uh, an album for that came out quite a while ago now, right? Yeah. 2009 or something like that. Yeah, a long time. So, and then and since then, you've done two or three albums, solo ones? I'd say two and a half. Yeah, because I recall some of those being like six trackers or... Um, you know, yeah, there's one like that. that has 20 tracks, but I don't really consider it an album. Wow. Yeah. Wh- which one is that? That's the the Swedish Congo record. Oh, I consider that an album. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, it's interesting because you know I've I've been following your music, and the Swedish Congo record, um, it's really complex. Yeah, you know, and it's I spent mean, a long time on it. Yeah, and then you have <laughs> um. Some of these tracks that you put out are extremely simple, like uh, the Acid Drop song is really just a vocal being processed for three or four minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? So there seems to be like a really interesting uh, way of how it gets done. I, I don't know how to describe it, like a pendulum or something. Like Some of it's just really intense and busy, and others are reduced to their like core elements. Yeah, yeah. That's, well... There's an easy answer on that, right? What? You used to have too much time before, right? You spent so much time with that, with uh, the Congo record. Yeah, that was the thing, because I was yeah doing more production for other people and stuff, and I was working with Henrik Van Rivers, and when we kind of stopped working together, I had loads of times on my hand and nothing to do. So I set out to do just like a task for myself mm-hmm. um, to kind of research, you know, production techniques and stuff and i came up with this stupid idea of doing like a cover version of a um, a tribal african record Mm -hmm. so i i i got the most obscure one that i could find recorded in congo in the 1930s Mm -hmm. 
you know, they're they're like short snippets, like forty seconds or something. Oh wow, okay. And I thought I'd do this in like two weeks or something, but I kind of, I got stuck in a like total rabbit hole. I spent best part of a year just. I can imagine, you know, just hacking away of these tracks and kind of bashing my head. Well, I mean, it's uh, the the rhythmic element of it, you know, like that. It's not like Western music where it's just a dude playing on a drum kit. Like it, there's a lot of swing to it. And the yeah, and well, everything and the you know, I, I, and... even though the the recordings, the original recordings were really lo-fi, you know, I spent so much time listening to them so I could pretty easily find everything, you know, kind of copying it as a template. But when I took out the original music, it sounded extremely sterile. It's when I actually had an old Kai rack sampler and I accidentally had, I don't know what it was in it, but just hit a key and it sounded really good. And I, I used that sound on almost half of the tracks, I think. And that kind of opened up different scope to it and it mm-hmm. became something of its own. But yeah, I don't consider that an album because it was more of like a research project for me. And, okay. You know, it was not... I don't consider the music my own in a mm-hmm. way, but I did have one and I did it like 97% finished and I couldn't do the last percent. I, I couldn't bear myself to do it because I had no idea mm. if I even wanted to release it. But in the meantime, I kind of got started on doing my own stuff mm-hmm. and that was so easy suddenly from trying to do yeah. Comparatively, and as you said, I could do a kick drum and a bleep noise for four minutes and then, you know, call it a day. And but it, I think it's a little bit like what we were talking about. Like, you spend time, sometimes it can be so frustrating being in the studio and you don't find your sound. And then you you do that for, for a year or a half a year. And then suddenly when you when you look from another angle or from the other side, you discover the, how much time you've actually been practicing on yeah. your instrument finding your new sound or yeah. mm-hmm. but it's like st- the 10,000 hour rule you know that you can sp- if you spend 10,000 hours doing something you'll kind of master it yeah mm. and i you know after that ordeal i think i i came out the other side <laughs> having yeah. done that you know and suddenly i could do just about like, anything yeah mm-hmm. yeah the floodgates were open you know and you said it took about a year for you to really do that project yeah in a way yeah okay Wow, that's crazy. And I mean, and so after that, um, like you said, the, the solo project really picked up and like uh, you started to do like this audio visual live show, yeah. which has had uh, a lot of I don't know, success or acclaim or however you want to refer yeah. to it. You did like, uh, I saw it first at Berlin Atonal, which yeah. for me was was definitely the set of the, the festival there. Oh, thanks. And then did you do Sonar, was it? Or I didn't do sonar, no. Trying to think of uh I, I there was some other I did Mutic. That might, might be, be yeah, it might be. And uh I know I saw oh. you do the, the show again at Berghain Oh yeah, yeah. About a year ago. Oh, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean like uh you you're touring around with it a bit and the visual element is really psychedelic, really yeah. trippy. Um is that did you do the visuals yourself or did somebody else do no, that? No, it's or? a guy called uh, Miguel from Argentina who lives in Stockholm. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we worked with him with Roll the Dice before. Mm-hmm. And we're working with him now with new stuff as well. Okay. 
So there will be sort of a roll the dice tour or something? Or? Yeah. yeah. Okay, excellent. And since then, like uh, for a lot of people that maybe wouldn't be familiar with you, I mean, that show, it's kind of crazy because some of it is, again, like these little kind of, like you said, a kick drum and a bleep for four minutes and others is like full on kind of like jungle throwback yeah rave kind of thing i mean you, you kind of can do it all like from techno to experimental and whatnot and <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> but uh i mean is there is there one kind of genre or something that you're kind of leaning towards the most at right now or something that's really getting you going comes and goes you know I'll, what about I'll... four four to the floor Tell us, tell us your story about the four to the floor. Yeah, recently I've been doing more kind of techno stuff. It's mm-hmm. four to the floor stuff, I'd say, because that's what I tried to do like ten years ago, but I I never really got there. Yeah, uh, you know, we did some releases, but I'm not that. You know, I I didn't really it didn't really click for me in a way. Okay. Uh, so when I started reducing, and I I, I looked at it at being like one on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. So, but now I'm I'm kind of moving back into do, doing four to the floor, mm-hmm. and kind of having fun with that. Mm-hmm. Or like like we were saying earlier before the mics turned on, like with uh, tonight you'll do Trezor. So for example, yeah. it'd be a little bit I would say more like club leaning. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, and I the the set I'm live set I'm doing now I can. I could a bit more easily switch doing that than my. I can do like a noise segment if I want to. If you want I to, you clean the room out, <laughs> uh, help out with that. Um, but yeah, so it's. I'm I'm kind of, you know, that's what interests me at the moment. Kind of mm-hmm. doing that's why I'm talking about this, the functionality of music because when you do an abstract thing, you you don't have to give a shit. Yeah, yeah, totally, but. It, I mean, it's you know you brought up the uh, the live act. I mean, we got techno guys on here all the time, and they're always talking about like Bergheim in Italy and everything. But as far as like when you go a little bit off the deep end with the live act, would you say there's like a a certain place that really seems to get it as far as, or or do you, do you even pay attention to the crowd or something? When yeah, 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 yeah. D- depends on you know somebody. There's like. Million festivals all over Europe. It's a bit more experimental, or like the cross section between artsy and and dance floor, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy playing. You know, and uh, the the audience is pretty usually pretty open and tuned into what you're doing. You know, and uh, the cool thing is when you can kind of take that trip with an audience and go cool. go off the deep end and then end Real up and yeah and end up in a, like a rave hole. 140 bpm totally yeah and i mean i think as as time grows and it's not so easy to tour with a full band anymore and a lot of people say well electronic music hasn't maybe made it mainstream but i don't really agree with that like when you look at a lot of bands hip-hop guys whatever there's not only is there a lot of electronic elements in it but how it's being played is um pretty much in an electronic way of doing things too. There'll be people on stage with uh, either Ableton Live or an Octatrack or something. So I think it's kind of already embedded itself, yeah. kind of like a framework. Mm. So I think like uh, these kind of live acts where 
okay, so maybe if it's not going to be straight for the floor thing, it wouldn't, it might not be perfect for clubs sometimes, but it, like at a festival or something where it's a lot of different genres of music, I think people kind of start to gravitate towards that sort of thing. Yeah. Or at least that's one of my theories about it anyway. Mm. Yeah. Do you agree, Pear? Yeah, I agree. I mean, maybe a sad part of it is that it becomes so expensive to do full shows and people actually looking for like stripped down options also well that's that's the case you know yeah and um i mean if you look at like from this perspective that record sales is now not that uh, much anymore and even like the live scene is getting into more like stripped down and less Mm -hmm. it could be a little bit depressing yeah (laughs) it could but it's also kind of I see it from the other angle as well, you know, trying to pack as much punch as possible in a, like, in a carry-on case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I kind of really enjoy that, just having one carry-on bag and open Definitely. up like a bo- box of magic tricks yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as a, as a guy, like, I'm, if I'm not listening to techno, I'm a big fan of rock and I kind of miss bands having you know being a three four five piece band now a lot of times you've got um two people like a singer and a guitarist and then the rest of the backing tracks or the drums are coming off of the laptop yeah and so i mean both i'm not really going to judge how it's done i just miss seeing like the full group of people yeah. rocking out together in a way I, I i mean it's not about the medium that much it's more about yeah. like the experience i guess uh i think like what I do love with it is that it's so you see people being creative in new ways. Like you say, people open up a bag and what do they have inside? And in yeah. a city like Berlin, for example, there's like shows going on around the corner always. And and that's amazing. But I, I, I hope that we're going to still have like full full settings going on as well. Like yeah. for example, in Stockholm, I don't know how, how it is now, but when I left, it was what's nothing for mid-sized band it was like a There's huge gap yeah. yeah i mean it's it's either full full stadium or nothing and that is depressing yeah i think yeah. for sure i mean i think uh i've been pretty lucky because minneapolis has decent band scene coming through it and there's some good local bands being in berlin we're lucky to get quite a bit yeah. coming through so but there's some places where there's just not much going on and you know, the the other part of it is, is you brought it up before, um, people kind of have to cut, scale back some things, and that's why you're having a lot of acts doing, you know, their band project using Ableton on a stage or an Octatrack, and it's because people aren't selling records as much anymore, so when you are going to do a concert, the either A, the promoter can't pay so much, or B, you know, you can't afford to break the money up five different ways, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think, yeah, that that's one of the downsides is w- with live music or even with DJs, they're going to have to make up that money somehow and it's going to come back through, usually through the gigs. And what I, I read an article recently on, on RN, it was talking about how promoters are a little upset because, or, or not promote, well, promoters in a way, but also people, they're a little upset that ticket prices are getting really expensive and it's like, well... If you want to see a live act come through, for example, 
you're going to have to be able to pay for it somehow, especially if they can't recuperate any of the money mm. from, from record sales, you know? I mean, there's things that not allowed to, to cost anything, and there are other things that is allowed to be so expensive. Mm. And that's kind of kind of weird. Like, yeah. Um, but it's all, all about what you do with it as mm. well and how you, the, the like, what angle you look at it from, you know. In, in the end of the day, you're an entertainer, you know. Mm-hmm. It's sure you're an artiste and you have your artistic views and everything, but it's Friday night and, you know, you're you're the, the clown in a way, so you have to <laughs> dance. Yeah, definitely. I mean... You can't mope around and kind of bitch about the turntables not working properly. You just, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, part of it is being able to work with... Uh, Within the means, if something yeah. isn't working, you kind of can you handle it or not? Yeah. And I mean, I think that all of us have nights where we can work around these small problems, and then there's other nights where it just gets under your skin, of course. Yeah, of course, but you can't show that. Yeah, yeah. You know, unfortunately, it happens sometimes. But I, <laughs> I, I for the for the most part these days, uh, perhaps it's it's different in a live setting. But with DJing, you kind of get used to if something doesn't work, you're like, okay, I've been down this road before. I just can't expect to be able to do xyz yeah. you know what i mean mm. um, I, I mean i was traveling quite some years doing live i don't know how many it was but in different uh, i was gonna ask you about that yeah and i mean i went from hardware over to software and back again and i think for me like uh, one really good thing with with the software that came like comparing to what what, what i had when i started off was that I could actually fit in anywhere. I could really do a live show that was fitting into all kind of mm-hmm. clubs. And also like after hours, I could go on for hours. And when I started off, it was more like I had my, I had my samples and I uploaded, um, uh, loaded the whole thing and it took ages and you, mm-hmm. you were kind of limited to that. Um, um, so, Today, with all the new stuff that's coming, you can uh, you can fit in way much easier. But it's still, it's a complicated thing. Like this live part versus DJing, I would say. Hmm. But so that being said, do you see yourself ever going back to doing a live set, or not right now? I don't know. Like it will. I would probably want it to be something more than just me playing live in a techno party. And um more of a performance yeah, rather. I mean I I guess I'm gonna have like a, find something that, that it bites me a little bit. Like what better to dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would like to have a dance show though. Uh I think maybe something that it that I had to, to work a little bit more on on uh forming, not just like transferring my Recent the music, yeah. No, it will it will need to be something new, that's different, different approach. Yeah, I mean that's kind of kind of how I feel about it too. I'll probably end up doing a few live things this year, anyways, just because I like I like the idea of presenting my own music in a certain way or order. Mm. You know, like how often getting, do you do live set? Well, when I was younger, I did it all the time. Yeah, uh, and then I think. Not last year, but the year before, I did probably eight of them yeah. at some various clubs or festivals. 
And then uh, I stopped for a while. But a lot of the time, because, I mean, I put, like you said, it takes a lot of time. Even now, even if I remember when it took forever to take, like, three days to load the sampler back in the day. But even with Ableton, to prepare a set takes a long time. Yep. And I would get up there, and I'd plug in all my gear, and the next thing I know, the stage <laughs> is 20 feet from anybody, so I'm just doing this to please myself. You, yeah, could, yeah. you could literally hit play on an MP3, and they would never know. Uh, I didn't do that. But, you know. that, that that was actually why when I stopped. I mean, I, I love playing playing live. I shouldn't say anything else. Like when I when I when I first started off, it was it, I had a really good good vibe with it, and I did travel many years having fun with it also. But like I like it was sometimes when you were standing in a totally different room from the rest of the crowd doing something, and people don't know what you do, so it didn't make any sense at all. So, and uh, entering the DJ booth was more like I actually felt like I was playing my tracks in a different way, playing, yeah. playing them as a DJ, and which I was missing when I was doing the live show. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I wanted to be more more special. I would like to have specific baits or something for for the live thing. And yeah, not that's just... the thing because when you're DJing, you're more kind of the same playing field as the audience in a way you're kind of more connected i'd say as a, you can turn on a dime so to speak or? yeah yeah you can kind of flow with it and in, in at least for me when i do a live set i it's not set in stone but it's a bit more predetermined and i have to kind of but you analyze it differently and like you know like yeah, when you, you when analyze, you when you yeah. play three hours the three hours dd set you're almost ending up playing live anyway I do exactly. way more crazy stuff when I'm playing DJ uh, like records than I do. When yeah, I'm you, you you can be a lot more braver yeah. in a way, and yeah, so yeah, it's. But so I mean, part of that also is not only did you used to play live a lot, but you played live a lot with Hard Cell. Yeah, and when I mentioned that you were coming on the show, a lot of people, you know, the where questions came. For, yeah, where is he? When's the next tour? Um, you know, we, all those questions that come with it. We did so. a reunion tour some years ago, and we had a lot of fun for a couple of gigs. Then you broke up. Then we broke up. <laughs> no, but it, we, it, it was easy to see that we were getting, like the fun part was that, I mean, Nils is amazing in the studio. He's, yeah. uh, he's awesome. Which he's good. hard sell, by the way. Yeah. And um, like as soon as we... Was sitting in the studio together. We were just jumping back like more than ten years, and we had a lot of fun. I can have him do everything I want. <laughs> He's a magic, magic uh, guy when it comes to actually like hearing a sound and he know how to build it. Wow. Uh, then when we started travel with it again, then it's this live thing came in. You know, like actually. Every club sounds differently, and we didn't have the, enough time to actually prepare ourselves for it. So each gig, we more or less uh, jump on stage and see if it works. And uh, I think both of us felt like it, all the fun part, pr- practicing and preparing the new material, and we actually did a release as well, uh, became really quickly like the like analyzing what works, what did not work, like how is the sound in this club, and um, we went from like playing like a really really nice live show at Bergheim. I don't know how many hours we did, but it was, it was three or four. Right? Yeah, it was really really good and it was really really fun, and we could have like all everything we wanted on stage. 
And then when we started to do like festival settings and it was way more complicated to, to bring that vibe again, uh, we had to take like slim down everything. And I think that for me and Nils, it was, uh, was a really nice trip, but I don't think that we were going to like continue doing it again. Yeah. Maybe so 10 years. There's some, there's some people that are a little disappointed to hear that right now, yeah. I'm sure. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the nice thing is, is uh, if I'm not mistaken, you still have all of those hard drives and samples and everything. So I'm still using it every day. Yeah, so <laughs> you can hear bits of that stuff in the future. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I right? think it pretty much all productions the last ten years for me have still have have samples that we used to use. And if you if you listen back, you can you can definitely hear them, like drums or. Or hi hats and stuff that we used must to be a nice sample pack to have. It's really a nice <laughs> sample pack, yeah. And happy you, about you it. did a sample pack recently as well, right? The yeah, the yeah. bukla thing. Yeah, uh, or I did it ten years ago. Oh, I was ten years old. Yeah, but I I put it up online. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Did have you ever thought about doing like a commercial sample pack type thing, or is it not really know. your vibe? I don't know, man. Although I love I love samples and mm-hmm. I love sample packs, uh, I don't know if I'd be kind of. I, well, I mean, I probably you got such interesting sound design, like that. There's so much character. To yeah, it. yeah, and that's the thing, though. It's just samples. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can, but it's, <laughs> it's it's samples of modulated samples, right? Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Resampled. I yeah, I haven't. To. I haven't really thought about it, no. Yeah, but, but that I, I. So basically, I had this old folder of um, uh, of uh, Bukla samples that I did in in the studio in Stockholm that has a mm-hmm. really nice old vintage Bukla. Do you still own the Bukla? No, I don't. Okay. I, I used to have a, a pretty small, uh, newer okay. Bukla, but this was the vintage one, or it, it's still there. But yeah, I. I uh, I've done a bunch of sessions there and just long recorded, but I did, yeah, I did just did this small pack for myself, you know, cut mm-hmm. out. You know, I very rarely do that kind of. Uh, and there was someone else who put up a pack of uh, Bukla samples that they've done in that studio, and I just Why felt not? like yeah, yeah I felt like I spread the spread the love, and I I chucked in some other stuff that I've done well and put it up on my twitter nice and um you know you guys are both putting up the sample packs and the live sets you all good over there what oh yeah you're just shaking your head (laughs) um you're both fathers and everything and and emmanuel was wondering because you have so many responsibilities being the good fathers that you are and whatnot on top of everything else like how do you how do you manage your time i know that this came up a little bit earlier in the podcast, like you have to make a count, but, uh, yeah, I mean, how do we do it? I think I'm way better now than I was before becoming a father. Like I used to spend so much time on doing nothing. And, uh, the more you have on your table, the, the more effective you become with time and time managing. And I, I think that it's like easier to, to, to do all the choices, right? Yeah. You, you have to you have to decide really quickly. But in a split second, yeah. yeah. And I think that a lot of the work that we do together, and I, I as well do with other artists, then is that 
try to not overanalyze and just be like quick in, quick out. If you if you work with mastering music, for example, it's really important that you don't sit and listen to, listen to it too much. So you just go in and you do change and then you jump out and you move on to the next. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of like what we do with music as well, like com- comparing to what I used to. So... Um, and in, in, in a way, you know, I think we both spent so much time before and just, just fiddling around in the studio without any result in a way. Or yeah, at least yeah, I've yeah. done that. Oh, yeah. I still do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but now when I don't have time, I'll just pull up a folder from mm-hmm. 2011. Oh, what's this sound? Awesome. I'll put a kick drum on it and call it a day. Kind of. But, yeah. you know, you, you have to make make the time count. Yeah. I mean, I... I don't have that time to to sit down and and just play around this often. Like most of everything that I do ending up on the record somehow. Like yeah. it, I wish I could have have more time to just play around. But but I think that time managing. Like if you if you have kids, you get up really early in the mornings, and you have to have a structure for them. And then the time that you're actually spending on work, you have to be effective. Yeah. I mean, I I. I if I have a meeting day, I really need to to um, like gather all the meetings the same day, and otherwise I lose time, more or less. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah the only uh, thing missing, I would say, is being hungover. You know, because th- <laughs> that takes so much time. Well, yeah, I mean, crazy amount. Being drunk and being hungover takes mm-hmm. ages. I I know something about that. Yeah, but I mean, uh, <laughs> I used to spend a lot of time being. Hangover, yeah. yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> it, it's it hurts too much these days, so I don't yeah. really, I don't party like that anymore. Well, I don't want to say anymore, but very not as often. But the part of it is, is like, also you n- not only do you want to come home and and be fresh for the week to be productive, but you got to be there for your kids and whatnot. You don't want to be on the bed or on the couch like, oh my god, I'm dying. <laughs> There's you know? no room for that. Yeah, no, exactly. really like no when you walk in the door, it's kind of. Just hit it's the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you you kind of like when I have a double weekend or more. I I you take care of of feeling tired and everything on the flights. And yeah. then when you get back home, your your brain is like you you have to do it. Mm-hmm. There's no other way. Power through it. Yeah. And then I will say like we're also working with other people. Like I feel I have a responsibility to towards others to to stay fresh and also have come up with good ideas when. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I know I don't know. I think I'm a little bit addicted to this. Like you know, that actually I get a get a rush from from executing. <laughs> yeah, being, I, I being see good. That, yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, because it, it's a, it's not a great analogy, but it reminds me of like a lot of these guys that are on Wall Street. They have all the money that they'll ever need, and people are like, "Well, why do they keep working so hard if they have money?" It's not about the money. It's no. about the the race or the push. Or yeah, the, I mean, I, I, not to be so, selfish like that. Yeah. I'm working with a lot of artists myself, helping yeah, out. Yeah, you work with artists and labels. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you I think I... And, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. But I think it's still like a lot of, of, of the artists that I'm trying to push to make new records. I think I'm one of them that actually released most myself as well. So yeah. I'm, I'm spending more time on pushing people, but then... I get into studio. I I try to do the same, like uh, shoot the same theories on myself. Yeah. Well, but at the same time, 
from what I know, I mean, you, you, you've got a lot of eggs in your basket, but a lot of the people you're working with are kind of single guys like me that don't have to necessarily be up at a certain time. Whereas you, like you guys, you definitely have to, like you said, maximize your time that you have. So mm. maybe that's why you're more productive that or else we're just too artistic and stubborn. Right. I don't know. Like <laughs> at some point that I, I spent so many years of, of just floating around trying to figure out, finding finding the perfect loop trying to fit in and i just came up to the conclusion that uh if i don't do anything now those years will be gone so i kind of feel like i i want to make as much possible out what I, what's going on right now and then look back on it instead yeah and you you have to treat those years as well as something you know that the ten thousand hours i was talking about yeah, yeah. you know they it's not like you could go out from the gate and just start off and doing 10 tracks a day. You know, you, you have to take time and find find what you're doing and find your way around it and kind of takes a lot of time. It takes yeah. a lot of trial and error and thinking. Mm-hmm. You have to do that. And that's, it's frustrating as hell, but. Oh, definitely. And then I also think it's about like, uh, it's also about not being afraid of of doing mistakes you know like i think a lot of people working with music and writing music is always like scared of not fitting in or feeling like they need to do something good and there's no something good or right or wrong so it's like if you try something out you could find out but if you don't do anything or you just wait for the perfect moment it's nothing gonna happen so we were always like better to do five <laughs> releases than do none. Definitely. But that being said, I mean, there's there's always people on the show that are aspiring at different levels. Some are well-established that listen, and some are trying to get their first record out. Uh, I mean, it definitely is open to both of you. I know you work with people a bit more on, on this sort of thing, but like what are, you know, what roadblocks could they easily avoid or um, aside from focusing and finding your sound and what you just mentioned before. Just finish music. I Fini- think that- yeah. Finish music and not think too much where it's going to f- end up. Like yeah. everyone, I think, I don't know. It's a, it feels like it's a techno thing as well. Like you, there's so much rules about who you're going to hang out with and which label you need to be on and cool which, yeah, I mean, there's, I understand that, like when you're trying to find your your identity that you kind of like look at the others but when you do that and try to apply that on your your own music it's it's never going to feel good like i spent bigger better part of the 90s trying to figure out how i would be a detroit guy and yeah. i never managed to be a detroit guy but i find myself <laughs> on the way and uh i think it's really like better to to just move forward and try and and not be afraid of of doing something wrong and then what's what's coming out on the other side is probably where where you, what are you searching for or maybe you don't know what you're searching for and you you would find it yeah i guess like the, the way i see it the, the main problem is that if you're a band or a group of people doing music together you have a context mm-hmm. within yourself but if you're like a single person yeah, yeah. doing techno 
And you're alone and you don't have a context and you want to be and that's in also, a context. That's, that's also part of it. Like a lot of people think that you you need to show off the finished record. Like here, Dustin, here's my track. It's You listen from A to, to C. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, what we're missing is this kind of band band thing that you actually... you percent you ask someone for help if you can't figure it out. And I mean, if you need to practice on your, uh, your singing, you might go somewhere. It's the yeah. same thing with, with making music in the studio. You yeah. don't have to have the key to being Everything, awesome. From, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the, the problem and the beauty of it. Like, especially with the whole laptop production thing blowing up over the past 10 years or 15 at this point or whatever. Uh, you can do everything, which was kind of appealing in itself. Mm. You, you don't have to answer anybody. But on the other hand, I think people got way too um, exclusive or inclusive, exclusive. Like they didn't want to. They excluded everybody mm. from the pr- uh, productive process. Mm. So you know, whereas in a, a band or even like people who only m- mostly play instruments, they'd be like, "Oh, can you come over and record this drum thing for me?" Or we need to find a singer who's a yeah, bit more collaborative. Yeah. And these, and especially when you send demos to labels back in the day, more so with bands than, let's say, techno stuff, it was a kind of in a rough form. And like, okay, now come in and we're going to record this track for real. Cause, yeah. yeah, that's coming back to yeah. what, what, how I did it with my album as well. Like, I think, I think we had to like drop this feeling that you need to be perfect. You know, mm-hmm. like there is something in the process of learning and listen to others and, and watching others. It's the same thing when, when performers, like you, there's no one sitting on a magic formula, even if the, yeah. like the production quality right now is like, it's, it's crazy. Like every year it's this new level of, 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 uh, how, how, uh, like, uh, sign sound design should be. But in the, in the, in the like backbone of the whole, it's like the, the good ideas and, and uh, the rest you can actually learn. Yeah. I mean, and to take it a step further, I'm, I'm thinking about it like, let's say, you know, 10 minutes ago or something, we were talking about how you can sit on a track for six months or something like that. And I mean, I don't, I should listen to my own advice because I don't do it either. But what's to stop you from saying, like, if I call up here and be like, I can't figure out the right baseline or hi hat, whatever yeah. his strength is, like, can you help me crack this out. Mm. I feel like a lot of people are afraid to ask for that, not because they think that they're not good enough or something, but then maybe they think like, this isn't all me. Like Uh, I cheated or something. I I don't know. I think that's kind of got to go away. Yeah, it has to go go away. Definitely. We do that quite a lot. Kind of send sketches and ideas and And, kind of, you know, like for example, over the years that you and I know each other, that like I started up maybe teaching a little bit of of what techno was and then for example when when you and hendrik was working i was always talking to him about like mixing and i helped him out a lot of of learning how to process sound and things and then later on when i was building up a new studio i kind of turned to you instead and asked like because you've been spending so much time with with the machines and old machines that i didn't know and uh also, after like, for example, recording the album in your studio, I read in my thinking of how my setup should be because before that, I thought that I need to have everything connected at the same time. Press play, and everything should play. And then I saw that you 
used to have this huge machine ocean and you used to play live with it. And then when I came back to your studio again, everything was stripped back and you took one instrument at a time recording what you want to record. Yeah. So I started to do the same. And I think this kind of, it kind of breaks something for me. And I think that's really, really important. There's not no secrets in there. Like yeah. you, you should, you should share yours yeah. and no one will actually be able to do your track the same way as you exactly. it's, it, 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 as, as we've been saying, it all comes down to the original idea and the kind of the preservation and the execution of that idea. And you can do that in loads of different levels and different time frames and it's way more fun to compute to compute (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah i mean like so when you have i i just i just feel like when you're able to kind of get these ideas out quicker like you guys were saying and even if you were to um like for example i have some tracks that are maybe half finished for example and right now I'm working on a project with Joel Mull. I'm going to, you know, when I go back to Stockholm to work with him again, I'll rip up some of these tracks that I can't really quite get on my own, hmm. um, you know, part them out or, or use what I have so far and kind of combine forces. And uh, I think that's also a great way to get things done as well. I think yeah, people yeah. should, should and, definitely collaborate and those, It doesn't have to, like, end up at, at something either. It's also important to feel that you can... You can work on something just for the fact that you do it, and then it doesn't have to be a record. It's not always that the best songs need to end up on the record either. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I'm going to shift it a, a little bit here. We always take uh, questions for the show, and uh, if you guys are open to take uh, answering some, I'll go through. Quick fire. So, so, yeah, some of them are a bit silly, but uh, some of them are definitely interesting here. Just like us. I'm yeah. not silly. You're silly. <laughs> Uh, I guess serious. we'll start with this way. How did Par? How did it feel to play in New York after such a long time? Last time, yeah, uh, so <laughs> it was different because it was uh, um, Thanksgiving weekend, I think, and uh, I was there with my family. So I experienced a new New York. It was definitely different than than I've seen it before, but it was a nice night. When was the last time you were doing U.S. shows? I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. Was, is, the next question is, Danny Astle asks, like, why is it taking so long for a U.S. tour, and when will we be able to see you there? Yeah, that's a good question. It's tricky now, right? Yeah, the visa process uh, is a pain in the ass. I mean, I, I used to travel quite a bit to the state for a while, and I felt that... Uh, it, it, it was also like I, I didn't have much records coming out of like for a while, and and I didn't feel like I didn't want to like milk out the scene over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I decided to hold off, and then I I think that I've been kind of waiting for for a bigger project. And when I did the album, I was looking into more to get a visa and, and do a tour, but uh, it didn't really f- happen. So yeah. I don't know. I think I need to have have a better reason fair enough get it's quite a commitment for for someone from europe Definitely. going on tour in the, in the i US. mean do you i don't think you do much u.s shows right or no, at all I, or? I, I did um i had a visa for a year with fever mm-hmm. didn't didn't 
some other shows, but yeah, I never had. But not so much on a solo point. No, no, I've I've done like one show in New York, but that was on invitation from the Swedish embassy or something, so I didn't have a visa. But like doing a visa, just the the process and and the 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 invent like the money, it's it's very expensive as well. So you have to kind of make that money up. I mean, I, I honestly, I've been going like twice a year to the States for just vacation yeah, and not playing. And uh, um, I know I could set up shows, but I just feel like if I, if I do like a full tour, I would like to have everything proper. Uh, yeah. And it's also like there's few few times a year there is like kind of US season of going. And then you have to have like a perfect schedule with fitting in with the festivals and all that stuff. And I'm, it's maybe not always easy to get here. Everything works. Yeah. And I mean, you got to make it count, you know, you got a family back home, so you can't, you know, spread it out over two or three weeks, for example, no, like no. you really want to try and fit it into, you know, nine days, you know, the two weekends yeah. or something. I don't mind going back and forth, but that, that's again, like then, then the problem is with the visa. Like yeah, going, yeah. If you go to, to Asia or whatever, even if it's a long flight, you can still feel safe of going in and out. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even doing a transfer over the States is something that I, I, I prefer not. Yeah. Like yeah. I was in Montreal a couple of weekends ago and I just went for that straight. And I, it, and it, how did that go? it was really good. Uh, I never played stereo before. Uh, I was surprised. It's huge for being an after and no drinking was really mm-hmm. great. Uh, I like the city a lot. But it was will be amazing to be able to do US shows at the same time. Yeah, yeah but that's the thing. You really have to plan it in advance. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't, do you don't, foresee it happening for you? Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Maybe not after all the twittering that you did this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a, it's a tough one, and I I don't think that people in the US appreciate how difficult it has been. I, and I don't think the people like in Europe like to talk about it too much either. Yeah, because we kind of feel like if I'm telling people now that it's not that I don't have a possibility to do those gigs, it's actually that I'm not allowed. Yeah, without exactly. a visa. Then it's and, and just from the one time I had a visa, the amount of information the US government ha- has on me is seriously yeah. 10 times more than the Swedish government has on me. It's pretty insane, I it's, hear. Yeah. And, and that's seven or eight years ago. So I wouldn't even kind of dare to imagine yeah. the process. What it is now. I mean, it happened, I mean, when I used to go, I, I mean... It's just standard procedures, but I've been stripped and I've been going there without too much knowledge of where to where I'm staying and and where I'm gonna go. And just like the all the questions you got is kind of a, it's not so nice, you know. Yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, nice and the talks me. now that you have to kind of give up your phone and stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, even just being an American coming back to America, I yeah. go a lot and. I've been hassled quite a bit, mm-hmm. and it's really nothing new. Like, I used to have a government ID for work, uh, a, a military one, and I would come back from the weekend because I was also DJing at the time, and they start hounding me, and I'd, like, you're legally supposed to show this ID be- 
first before anything else, mm. you know. And I'm like, oh, hello, same side. Like, why are you giving me shit? In fact, mm. I think I am positive I had higher security clearance than this guy, yet he's giving me a hard time about yeah. whether. And mm. it, I can't even imagine what it would be like for, you know, a foreigner coming in mm. that. And much not, less- and like being some, you know. We're we're Your from Swedish passport is one of the easiest yeah. one, and the like I, I can't imagine being like someone of brown skin or something like that. Yeah. Then it's kind of off the radar completely. I, you know. Totally. Well, it's it's funny, and I can say this because I brought it up on the show before already. But like uh, Ariel Bricka is a good friend yeah. of mine, mm-hmm. and he played. I think it was either the festival in Detroit or an after party. But like right before it, he decided that he was going to grow a big beard and come in and I'm just like, dude, you're going to get hassled. You got to cut that off before you fly in. Cause he's flying into Chicago. He's like, I'll be fine. And of course he got held up for three yeah. hours. He made it and everything was cool, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, he's got a Swedish there. passport. Yeah, I, yeah I know exactly. So he's got <laughs> but, that and the beard. He's more it, Swedish than me, <laughs> but he is in a way, but yeah. that brings me to, <laughs> that brings me to one of my next questions. Somebody brought up and they said, uh, they want to know if you handed Perry your beard. Oh, <laughs> I think that's, I mean, I always had something on, I never really shaved. A little bit. But the thing is that. Peter's beard was massive for a while. But you can can see now, like he shaved two hours ago and it's still coming out now. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) But I I don't know, like this this thing, um, I didn't see my dad without one many times when I grew up and I couldn't recognize him. And I don't think my kids would recognize me without. Plus that I look shit without my beard. It's yeah. really, really bad. Yeah, really that's bad. part of the reason why I shaved as well. So my kids could kind of know me. Because when I shave, <laughs> I me, my girlfriend had never seen me without a beard, and she's but, like, "What have I done? What is this?" Yeah, she actually <laughs> hold, held up her hand towards you know yeah. my mouth, and okay, I recognize your I eyes. St- I still like have to look twice when yeah, it's that like, is, yeah, it, it is really cool. weird though. Like for example, my dad's always had a mustache. Uh, he looks similar to me. I don't look mustache. similar to him. And um, the thing is, is I think in, I was driving by this point, so I was probably 17 or 18 minimum. No, I was even older, I think probably 20, where he had a mustache my entire life. And then I didn't go home for a while, and then I drove back for the weekend, and he came out to say hello. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Because he didn't have a mustache anymore. He yeah. shaved it off. And yeah. I mean, it, it's gone now It's since then. But that it's really weird. You're almost like, this is not the person that i know right <laughs> so i can't imagine what that was like to have that beard for a while and then... yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah the bad part is that become a trend then and then yeah you if you're in sweden and in stockholm for a while you couldn't everybody had it yeah that was the, that was the main reason you know i had to walk out the door and seeing seeing it transition for people and have it like just a two day two day what do you call it uh, five o'clock shadow or whatever. five o'clock shadow to like a little bit of beard and then suddenly it was like perfect groomed ones yeah for perfect I, groom yeah i can no. see like in my hood where i live now i'm pretty alone it's me in the bumps yeah. and the corners like there's yeah. no one really having <laughs> in my hood it's all tattoos and junkies yeah <laughs> but uh the, one of the manic brothers asked me another question he said if par had to make a choice between keeping his beard or never get to eat his favorite meal again, which would you choose? Oh, um, and would oh, you sacrifice da-da. your your uh, beloved favorite meal? That's a tricky one. If I give up the food, then I probably can shave 
at some point. What's, what's the food? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what. No, yeah, I probably I mean, give it's, up. It's food. hard to be like, oh, this is my favorite food ever. I, I feel like that's yeah, like what's I, your actually, favorite I, band I, I, ever? I can lie about it. I can say that it's like um, something that I don't really like. Yeah, fish yeah. sticks. In in, <laughs> in in Sweden, we have a, in February. Uh, a thing called uh, samlor, which is a kind of pastry. Yeah, that just happened, right? Yeah, yeah. It just ha- it's like a bun with a bunch of cream on it. Mm-hmm. And um, your tradition is like the second Tuesday in February is yeah. when you can start eat it and you eat it for a month. And I know this guy, he shaves, keeps his beard all, all year round up until February and he shaves it all off because he wants to maximize his yeah, salmon intake. you're going to be wearing most of it otherwise. Exactly, and you're going to get Whipped cream in your mustache. What's the name of that French one? That it's actually almost like the same thing, but with sugar on the top. It's so much kind of better. Like, it's not much tastier. No idea. I'm not sure. Oh, I eat it every time when I'm. Yeah. So it. basically, he sacrifices his beard every year for his favorite meal. I think it's a fair play. Yeah. You know? <laughs> kind of like uh, the opposite of Movember. Have you heard of that one? Yeah. Do you do that right? Uh, I, no, it's just if I if I don't have any gigs and I don't shave because I hate shaving. <laughs> but um, I mean, I guess I could start. Well, no, here's the deal. Are we gonna I try to talk about shaving now. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. tried to. Well, I tried to convince during one of the drum court parties at Bergheim. I tried to convince all the guys to have mustaches for the party, mm. and they all said they were gonna, and they didn't, and then I ended up but, shaving. Yeah, actually, none of them actually have that much hair, right? Adam <laughs> doesn't have much in the face, and Joel, no. No, Carrie, yeah. no. I guess I, I, I am kind of alone in, in that yeah. regard. Jesper had quite a good beard for a while. Yeah, I this think. might have oh, been yeah. post, uh, post Jesper years, though. Uh, I don't know if I remember. But that reminds me another question someone came up with. Uh, Jenny, she wanted to know uh, back to the Enemy versus Arts party in August at mm-hmm. Bergheim. What was your reaction to all the lights being on when the lightning hit the I, building? And I didn't really understand that when I was playing. Like, first, I, I thought it was like everyone else. Like, it was light flash and that, that it's just someone someone doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I figured out, okay, it's going to stay on. But I, I it was really nice playing and I had a good time playing. So I didn't think so much about it. Then I went mm-hmm. home and... You know how it can be when you play there. You you spend a lot of your energy, and when I was waking up in the morning, I I, I felt really really weird, like drained, and I didn't know like was it a good show or was it, well, yeah, what was going kind on? Of after that. Yeah, I, I spoke yeah. to you, right? Yeah, and then it took a few hours, and it was uh, my girlfriend called me and and she asked me like how was it, and then it started like come back. And I got really emotional about it. It sounds, yeah. sounds so stupid, but no, no, uh, no. It, it really, it really was different. And it was, I mean, the combination. I mean, it was. I will say, I get this question all the time: Where is your favorite place to play? And I, I don't really like to answer that. I, I mm-hmm. kind of like. I think every club have their own thing, yeah. and and every like peak uh, versus starting up or after hours or whatever. But that night kind of dragged me back to when I started go to parties where uh, there's like equality is all over. Like people got totally naked because of it, of mm-hmm. the heating was breaking down and no one really cared about anyone around them. So yeah. people were dancing like hell and it was someone right. Yeah. And it was, it was about the moment there and, 
uh, I, I was doing an interview quite recently when when uh, when I got the question right. When what attracted me to go to parties in the first place? And when I when I was a kid, I was like fourteen or something, and that was like the the fact that I came to a place where uh, age didn't matter, gender didn't matter, nothing mattered at all, and people were actually. It was not even about drinking or doing drugs or anything. Uh-huh. It was was about some kind of experience there. And I had that same feeling after that backhand show. And then it became like the huge things and people asking a lot of the questions about it as, as spectacular. But I the the my my feelings myself was quite um, emotional. It was. Yeah, I mean it I no matter what, there'll never really be another night like it just because it was so ungodly hot and with the lights are on, that's uh, the exact opposite of how yeah. it usually is in there. So. But when we did a switch, you know, like I, I played one of the uh, Forever Delayed track that mm. you and I was talking oh, yeah. about, this, this stuff on Linsati's old project. And it's, um, I put it on because it's like flashing mm-hmm. lightning uh, and rain in the end of the track. And I thought it was like a perfect ending. I remember that. And then you went on and the light came off. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, it, it was interesting because I, I remember that moment exactly because uh, you were playing that record and there was it's got the thunder and the lightning and the, and the rain in there. Yeah. And I know that people are in there are super fucked up. And I'm like, you know, they're going to think there's a thunderstorm in the building right now, too. <laughs> I played that before there. And, um, and then, you know, right around that moment, the lights went off. And actually, I was really happy about that because... It sounds crazy, the lights that were on for four hours or mm. five hours or whatever, and it worked. That's cool, but like I was just about to start doing between an eight and a ten hour set, and the lights, it wouldn't have we been needed, that sustainable. Yeah, so it was like a godsend that the lights finally went off. I think it was a good switch, you know. Like you Also, like when I started off, it was I did something different than Dax was doing before me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think... If it were kept on the whole time, it would been, wouldn't have been the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a great night. That was a really good one. Yeah. Uh, question for you, Andrew Wright wants to know how much you'll sell your synthy for. And if it's more than 12 euros, I'm going to have to haggle you down. He's going to haggle it down. <laughs> 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 yeah. Not for sale. Not anytime soon. Not right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I keep it in mind when I need diapers and stuff. Right on. When when the gigs start running a little low. Yeah. Um, or you want to buy the sample packs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. CDs. CDs is the next thing. We're going to... St- Some, st- sample CDs. Yeah. I, I think that... Because in, in the, you know, Estral, the local music yeah, store. Just it's like certain, always like one... They, they had a bin. Yeah. yeah, they had a bin for like 15 years with all the sample CDs from the 90s. The price kept Damn. on getting down. No. Yeah. And Damn, that's why you say now. We right started now. talking about it, Which and I went there. I was like, no, we sold out. <laughs> and there were like you know, 10 cents in the end. Uh, you can probably find that media mart here. <laughs> yeah. They probably have a coin. Dance mega drums. Yeah, but which one was we were talking about? The, the electrostatic, or I don't remember. The gold mine. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, do, let's yeah. go now, there. If, if he can come up with all the, the, the dance mega drum series, mm-hmm. one to 10. No? Then it's on. Yeah. yeah. What um what kind of music are you guys listening to right now outside of the stuff you're known for, you know, whether it's techno or electronic? I mean, uh, is there anything that's really doing it or inspiring? I you am. Or? 
Should we talk about like favorite albums right now? Mm. Whatever. I've no. been, I've been, I, I was hanging out with a really, really known dark techno guy mm-hmm. a, f- a few months ago, and we were talking about albums that inspired us. And uh, I don't know what we got into, but he's a PJ Harvey fan, mm-hmm. and I never really been listening to her, so I kind of went home, and uh, I was digging back, but. First of all, her new album hit me with a boom. Like, Which one? Really? I should know the name. But now, it's the but newest one. It's the newest one, yeah. and it's really we, yeah. amazing. She's so good. Yeah, we've been rinsing the one, the England Shake at home so much. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I, I saw her. And the live show is the amazing. I've been, yeah. I've been sitting on YouTube and checking all the live shows I can find. I saw like, it a couple of years ago. So cool. You guys yeah, are so cool. Quite nice. And then uh, Tribe Called Quest album is amazing. Yeah, that's kind of like well done. When Peter and I talk about uh, like records and album, we always cut down on on tracks and always cut down on time. Nothing can be too long. But that album is quite long and mm-hmm. it's diverse, and you find new stuff in there all the time. But it makes totally sense. Mm, I've, I've cool. listened to that one. I should probably do it. Do it. But I started listening to Bruder Daniel after oh, you talked. Yeah. Who? <laughs> It's a Swedish kind of emo rock band called Bruder Daniel. They're, okay. It's they they have a, it's a whole universe of their own. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's like in the clubs where where they where they singing this songs. That's basically from, they're from the nineties and yeah. they were kind of the looser indie okay. band. They couldn't play and yeah, yeah, it's a cult. See. It's a yeah. big cult. Became they, a cult, and yeah. they had like their fans were called. Uh, it was like a sub genre. If you go to indie, like uh, go out in the club in Stockholm in the like early two thousands, there would be like a sub genre of indie kids yeah. called pandas because mm-hmm. they were makeup like the kind of like the juggalos from uh, Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> yeah, but these were like girls with and boys with. It was like a sad boy culture yeah. in a way. I love to go to those clubs and go totally crazy. I didn't fit in and I get the eye rolls yeah. all the time, but I just love it. So, yeah. And they broke up 10 yeah, years ago. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. The, just, the singer just released a solo. Yeah. But it's kind of, I've been analyzing why. And actually, I, I you emotional. know that in Sweden, it's become, one of their tracks has become like a Freebird track. Like, really? Yeah. Okay. A track called Shoreline. Mm. Yeah. It's it's what where you shout play Shoreline. Yeah. yeah. And it, it wow. it's like through every any club in Sweden now you can shout Everybody knows yeah. Shoreline. Yeah. Wow. And you know the track like play Shoreline. And if you listen to this album it's kind of interesting because it's kind of like uh each time each track on it have this kind of uh, sound. Is that the right word? It sound like it, when sound vibe whatever. When when you're Singing in church, yeah. <laughs> okay, All of like those tracks have like kind of like this cor- uh, choral sort of. It's not. Quality. I don't know how to say. Like they are really like they're like hymns. In hymns, a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's all about being an outsider. Yeah, and they are kind of kind of same melody in all of them, but they they are different mm-hmm. to each other anyway. Yeah. So you kind of you love eat every track, but it has an aesthetic. Let's say, so to speak. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, for example, if you're going to listen to the new actress track just popped online and his stuff has a certain aesthetic or yeah, you know, like or the 
Aphex Twin albums seem to have a particular aesthetic for yeah. that. Funny album. that you, you mentioned both of them. I normally go like a little bit away when something new comes, and I try to like find a, a moment of silence before I listen to them because people are talking so much about it. But I, I checked them both today. There's no Aphex Twin. No, it was not a new one, but a one that I've been oh, holding okay. off. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's a new one. I did. On Twitter, I got a, I got a promo yesterday. What? Yeah, I got yeah. I got I some promo as well. Yeah. <laughs> what the? It's out now though. Whatever uh, it's called, M twenty two R five six. I don't we know what it's called. Shoes. Yeah. It's but old, I mean, what else are you getting into? That uh, something more. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you mentioned you were like a kind of a band guy before, yeah. and you have definitely, as far as production goes, a lot of roots and experimental type stuff and working with Beaver Ray, I mean, is it safe to say that that's what your taste lean towards too? Or is it more towards bands or anything and everything? But isn't it like, I think I listen more to like band album than you do right now. Yeah, at the moment I'm I'm not listening to that much. You are more into actually checking the new, (laughs) new, new. Techno. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning about that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into like, Going back and checking an album that I haven't spent time with, and I'm analyzing yeah. why they sound like that, and blah blah blah. Yeah, that that's the thing though, because I've been, like, we've been talking about this, and I'm, you've been kind of on me because I'm not listening to much music, but no. I'm kind of tired of analyzing music at the moment. And I'm the opposite. I'm kind of digging back to Swedish '90s uh, production and analyzing Akai samples. And yeah, things I, like yeah, that. I have to listen to music, but I'll. Because I get stuck analyzing and then I kind of just... Yeah. I don't mind. But, I mean, I guess that's kind of the beauty. Like, I like to listen to... I mean, I've always been more of a band's type person anyway or whatever. But I like to listen to music I don't really make because I don't sit there and analyze it. Because I don't... I don't have... Like, I don't have the desire to make a rock album because I... My coordination's too shit to be in a rock band anyway. You know what I mean? I mean, if I Yeah, the quality, right? The, the star quality you could be on stage i could see yeah you know i could rock out on stage but you'd yeah. have to unplug my cables <laughs> uh it's what they do anyway yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah i mean so that being said I, I i try to listen to stuff also to analyze it but yeah sometimes it is difficult to shut off that being said sometimes i'll go to a friend's house for dinner or uh Let's say even uh, someone's doing a little DJ night somewhere at a bar or something. You swing in and they know because you're traveling around doing gigs or always buying records or playing things like, oh, oh, well, uh, you know, they get a little nervous about it. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, especially if I'm out to have a drink or something like that and party down, I don't really care what's playing. Yeah. If I go to uh, a club this weekend, if I was to go to Trezor tonight to see you and whoever, I wouldn't give a shit what's playing. I mean, it's a bonus if it's great. But yeah. I mean, I think this kind of can maybe get a... You can connect this to the, the this issue that we talked about earlier that that people are a little bit afraid that everything had to be so perfect. You have to know everything before, and you can't be wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, I I mean, there's nothing more boring and and a DJ doing everything right. So I think yeah. that's when when someone playing the wrong track, then it's when when it's happening, mm-hmm. or when you 
something happen when you're I mean walking out in an, into a club and you don't expect them to play like 90s jungle then it's amazing but if you go into jungle massive party and they play all the hits then you don't feel so excited about that it that actually happened to me in Stockholm a couple of years ago mm. I walked down in Banch in the basement and it was kind of a Thursday night mm. being out on a bender or something and I walked mm. down and there was maybe 30 people in there and Goldie was playing mm-hmm. and it was the <laughs> best night you know Ever, uh, I had one one of those kind of like we, I, w- I was to a party and I think it probably was in the nineties, but it was a it was officially a house party, or, and it was a huge nice lineup of of house DJs. And then uh, I went into like the back bar and of the venue, and uh, Sean Lee Suchta, Don Yunacid was playing like just shut up and dance <laughs> records on a crappy sound system, and it was so amazing, one of my best experience ever. Nice. Uh, yeah, I actually, because before I was into techno, I was into uh, drum and bass and stuff like that. And I, I've slowly started to kind of incorporate that stuff back into my, my listening again recently, just because I'm still a fan of it. I guess I just, when I really wanted to go into techno full on, I decided to, like, I'm going to focus on that. I'm searching for these records. Uh, but this and, is what people do. They they focus on something so much that it, they, it get them boring. I think it's yeah, really important yeah, to be I've been listening to that Fotech album this week. The uh, new, which one? N- no, the, Yeah, the one where he, with Glamorama and stuff. Yeah, yeah. When he started, do, when he started do, trying to do techno. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so no, it's, good. It's super ah, good. I couldn't read it. But here's the thing: at the time, <laughs> but, but just because. But I of love that. this. Like, what was that? That our time is coming. No, what, what was that? He did a really amazing single, or if it was a remix. Well, there was a bunch. But I mean, Solaris was definitely a shift for him. And at the time when that album came out, I was so not into it. You know, I yeah, because I, I was like, "What the fuck, man! I want drum and bass. I don't want to hear house uh. music." And now I'm. Um, I think that was his best album. Mm. So it's funny how times and tastes change. Oh, they they the, the early one is still amazing too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I I also read yesterday. You mentioned you mentioned Goldie. He's writing a book right now that's yeah. supposed to come out this year. Mm. I want to read that. And both of us will love it to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah but let's let's see what happens. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean. I had you had checked in the the last single, but no, uh, no, no, move on, move on. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but we are we have been recording for quite a bit now, so we'll get towards towards the end of wrapping it up. But what I wanted to talk about, and for the most part, we didn't go too deep into it, is what's uh, what's what's out like right now, or what's coming out shortly here. Um, who's gonna start? I yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think that I'm gonna level up my label a little bit. I'm gonna release way more this year. I had another idea from the, in the start of the year, but then I'm I'm writing so much material right now, and I, I'm on good run. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do a lot of EPs. I have one just styled called uh, Soul Survivor, which is not on my label, but at an EP and solo EP. What labels? Are uh, we can circuit. Okay. And um, I have another one called Aged uh, on Stockholm that's going to be next one up. Um, I don't know the release date yet. And then uh, I'm working on uh, a few others at the time. 
at the same time. So I think I'm going to have like maybe at least two EPs before the summer. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. there'll be quite a bit yet. Yeah. Uh, anything like remixes or stuff like that? I think I'm going to hold off remixes for a while. I don't know. I don't think I agreed on any. Uh, no. Well, but I do <laughs> like collabs and I have 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 that kind of things coming as well. I'm not going to name any right now, but I love Keep that. an eye out anyway. Yeah. A lot of releases. I'm looking forward. I want to talk about it a lot now, but I'm not going to do that. But it's coming. It's at, coming. At any rate. Cool. What about uh, podcasts? Just had one for uh, Scopa Week, uh, a Korean, Korean podcast series. I played for them on a party at Wirt uh, Club in Seoul. Um, How'd that go? It was really amazing. Really nice. It's a really small place, but really, they have how you say like really familiar vibe. Um, uh, They're very into it. Very educated. In yes, they have. Yeah, definitely. Really quite contemporary, but it was really really nice. I want to go back. Nice. Yeah. And uh, what what about you? I know he, he mentioned remixes. I, I haven't noticed many remixes on your part. Mm, I have actually quite a few coming out now. Okay. Uh, different various things I've done the last couple of months, but uh, it's like three or four coming out. Okay. Too early to say on them so far? Or uh, yeah. I had, I had one that came out uh, like a month ago with a Spanish, called, called, a Spanish guy called Pedro Vian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what else is there? yeah the, the other ones I don't really know when they're coming out and stuff Fair enough. but I just I just had a, a various artists release on my own label yeah um, what was it called again PMVA1 <laughs> yeah okay that's why I can't remember <laughs> yeah um, but I, I saw that uh, actually I think it was today in, in Hard Wax so. yeah nice one yeah and um, so yeah that was just out, and then I have uh, I have a record I made with Hodge coming out. In my oh label. wow, yeah. he's also really talented, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's it's we had great fun making it. It's kind of breakbeat. It's uh, awesome, nice breakbeat stupidness. Banging. Cool, and what, it's called what? What the name? Yeah, what's the name of it? Uh, what's it called? All my love. It's called okay. Kind it, of you will be able to 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 um, how do you see when you if you hear it out in a club you'll hear it you yeah. will hear you'll it. know what it is yeah. all my love yeah we tried to make like a prodigy track oh yeah. right on in a way and old then prodigy. yeah 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 old school prodigy awesome so yeah because he, he he's good with the breakbeats awesome and then yeah have the new roll the dice album it's gonna be out in May okay. Awesome, and that's uh, you're gonna do a tour to support that too. Yeah, there? yeah, cool. And uh, well, yeah, I forgot to tell you that you can order the cut now. Okay, yeah, that's okay, um, we can do right <laughs> on. Yeah, we're talking shop here. No uh, uh, Everything is set up. Awesome. The Paris helped me, me, us with that. Cool. Album. Yeah, I mean the last album for Roll of Dice what was that. Five years ago, maybe? Two years ago. Three years Two? ago. Two? Two years ago. Three. Three, Three years. Yeah. I think I missed one. Yeah, you probably missed one. Most okay. people did. Really good. Uh, Just should check it out. Uh, yeah. And but what's I'm, that one called, for those who don't know? Uh, Until Silence. Okay. 
uh, the new one's a bit different, but yeah, really happy with it. How uh, how would you describe it as in, in, in the different from the older stuff? Well, the last one we we recorded with like a twenty six piece orchestra okay. string ensemble, so it was kind of grand in a way. Damn, I could ask a bunch of questions on yeah. that, but we won't. <laughs> but the new one we try to flip it in a way, so it's kind of it's a really tight sound, really dry and brass. Yeah, we had the saxophone player in to do uh, like half the tracks has saxophone on it. Uh, yeah, not, I think you had to explain that a little bit more. People are going to think about really like 80s. Yeah, and the thing is, <laughs> we want to kind of <laughs> take out instead of having like a sequence synth, have like the saxophone do that. So the saxophone's, it's really simple. It's just kind of three note, like the bass line, but instead it's a mm-hmm. saxophone playing same thing over and over. So, yeah, that's the Very idea tough. of kind of just adding a different timbre and different kind of texture to the synth sounds instead of kind of, you know, Baker Street's... So, yeah, but I also, yeah, I I, I have a whole bunch of tracks in a file. That we, are, we, we are killing his darling right now. Yeah. But in a good way, yeah. So yeah, I sent those off to Power and I he's know. been putting in folders. And it's I've been, really a lot of good tunes. And I've been <laughs> unpacking the folders and putting in new folders and he's been on me. And yeah, it's kind of this the, the construction. I th- it went from like, I don't know how many tracks it was in 15, there. 15. Yeah, and then it, it, it three EPs really easily. But now uh, we broke them up. I have no yeah. idea. I'm, I'm not so really. So there's a bunch of shit coming, basically. Yeah, good stuff. Awesome. Um, and then as far as, let's see, what is the date here? April going forward, uh, is there any dates for April and May that are really stand out that you want to throw out or should we just send them to your Facebook pages? Uh, I'm going to Asia. I'm going to, I'm going to be in Asia and where? I'm going to go to Japan for three weeks. Uh, I'm going to be there. Oh, really? Yeah. Let's talk after the show. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to. We're going to relocate the whole family, actually. So oh, really? Why can't you re- relocate me as well? <laughs> <laughs> no. So we're going to spend spend some time in Tokyo, and then we're going to go to Okinawa. So I'm going to play in Tokyo, playing at... Um, it's called Saloon, I think. It's Unit. Unit okay. Club, uh, one of the back rooms. And I'm going to do Tomune streaming. Me as well. I'm doing that and Vent. I wonder if they're, we're there around the same time. I'm it there, will be amazing. It's the, it's the beginning of April, and then okay, I'm then, like the third week of April. Okay, then we're in Okinawa, and then on the way back, uh, Shanghai Elevate Club, I think it's called. You're gonna have some good food, man. Oh, it's gonna be awesome. Good shopping too. <laughs> <laughs> shopping, and I'm I, I'm gonna sketch sketch on new music. I think. Oh, that that's a good question. I know I keep saying we're gonna end the show, but we're not. Uh, when you're talking about Sketching music, are you guys opening the laptop? Or do you have a little piece of gear you mess with or do it on the phone? or Open the laptop. I have yeah. both phone and a laptop. Oh, you do phone. Quite. Yeah, I, I, oh, I have so many tracks. And I, I use this iMachine a lot. And a lot of the tracks that I've been releasing over, over the last couple of years have like loops and things from my iPhone. <laughs> so you would, it would be advisable for people who are listening that if they're working a day job and on their smoke break, they just pop open iMachine and jam out for a few yeah, minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
I'm not sure. I think you have to be like, I mean, you, you have to have kind of, uh, are you making, no, you're just no, digging. No. Okay. Uh, I think that the problem when you do that and think you can bring it into the studio, like try to make a, a track already on mm-hmm. the phone, it doesn't work. So what do you need to use? You need to use it more like a sketch, like idea thing. Like a drum loop or something. Uh, I mean, most of the time I'm re-recording it with other stuff. You know, like, for example, if I'm on my laptop and I'm in a hotel room, I use uh, Korg M1. When I get back home to the studio, I I use the hardware instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care so much about mixing or stuff like that when I'm in, in a hotel. I no, used to do, just do <clears throat> melody. Yeah, and I do a lot of arranging and stuff. I'll, yeah, I can't I'll do be that. like I'm recording longer sketches in the studio and mm-hmm. just pop it in the laptop when I. I, I can't do that. Like, yeah. but no, I need to do the arranging and that in studio. Yeah, I just because yeah, we work a bit different there. But yeah. I, I'll make sure to have like two or three tracks to work on when I'm away on a weekend and to mm-hmm. be able to kind of just. I'll maybe I've done like a fifteen minute. Recording mm-hmm. and I'll edit that down to three minutes. Yeah, okay. Good. I'm more like I do. I make something for five minutes and then I move on to the next one and I just just, just do a lot. Of, yeah, pump it out. Yeah, like mostly melodies and mm-hmm. and things like that. But it's funny with iMachine because you 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 got me hooked on that. Mm. I've been trying to do it. Mm. I've I've only done one track. That mm. that's the uh, the the hinge finger record I did last year, which is probably my most techno record I ever done. Like the kick and the bass line on that mm. is like sample. I had a stronger. track called lead, but everybody's saying lead. And then they had like I a, lead. That's a great, lead. I, I was thinking about playing that recently. Yeah. Actually, That track, like the clap thing mm-hmm. is from the iPhone. <laughs> but what, what I do is I load it with my own samples. And then I like do, because you kind of like when you're playing around with the fingers, you, you do simpler stuff, you know, yeah. like when you're, when you're sitting in the studio, everything becomes like more complex than you're trying to, to do something that is smart or I don't know. Yeah. Like when you, when you're just playing from around with something that feels like a toy, your like instincts and the, the easy stuff coming out. So like, for example, on my album, like all melodies are really just like two finger thing. And they are for me so more real than I was like trying to make them uh, in the studio. Yeah. Nice one. Well, um, I'm gonna wrap it up here. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say before we shut off the mics? Don't do drugs. Uh, Maybe yeah. a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you good to go, you guys? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I had fun. Thanks for coming yeah, in. It was great. Thanks sharing, for having us. Sharing a little yeah. knowledge. So. All right, you guys have a good one. You You too. too. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ciao.